Welcome back to the Talking Footy Podcast. Each week across the footy season, we're talking with the biggest names in the game. I'm Matthew Richardson, and this week our guest is CEO of the Richmond Football Club, Brendan Gale. Brendan has footy in his blood. His grandfather, father and brother all played at the top level. He played 244 games for the Yellow and Black, retiring in 2001. And eight years later, he took over the top job at the club. In this podcast, I discuss with Brendan the early stages of his life on the northwest coast of Tasmania. Look, I'll be honest, I love footy, Richo. I mean, that's all we did. And, and I was OK at it, and, and as was my brother. But it just seemed, as a young kid growing up, it just seemed almost too remote. And also his career after football in the AFL Players Association and being the CEO of the Richmond Football Club. I think the biggest challenge is always money. You know, it's such a competitive environment and it largely depends on still on your on-field performance, which can fluctuate. We're talking footy. Well, Benny, thanks uh, for joining us on the Talking Footy podcast. Pleasure, mate. 244 games with the Richmond Football Club over a long period of time, but it all started on the northwest coast of Tasmania. Benny, tell us about your, your early days down there and, and where you grew up. Um, well, I grew up on the northwest. I grew up, I was born on a little dairy farm inland from Burnie called, uh, called Elias. In fact, it was, a, it was an area, a, a farming community that uh, the Gale family cleared and settled and four generations. So we were there for the first part of my childhood. My father uh, sold the farm and severed that link with the farm and moved into, into town, into rural real estate and supplies. And so we moved to a little place called Penguin, which is on the coast. Um, and and from there um, we moved in to Burnie, which is only 15k. So so right on the northwest coast of Tassie, it was an ideally childhood. It was a it was a rich childhood in not in terms of money, but in terms of all the experiences and and the freedoms and big family involved in all sports. Um, it was just a great, great childhood, yeah. And it, it is a footy heartland, isn't it? The northwest coast of Tasmania, all those little towns along the coast, the football club is central to all of those communities. It is, it is, mate. And, um, you know, a lot of community pride and a lot of great rivalries and, um, you know, Penguin and Olveston was a great rivalry, six or seven K apart and, um, and they were great. Um, you know, footy was a massive, you know, it was football and cricket and, you know, surf life saving, funnily enough, was pretty big. Bearing in mind how cold the water is, a bit of wood chopping. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, those great little coasts. The old man was um, involved in a bit of radio, and and uh, so we'd go um, when we're allowed with him to the games, and you know, watch. I remember watching Daryl Baldock as a real young fella, for example. I remember watching Peter McKenna play with Devonport as a flying player. They were great days. Your dad uh, was a great footballer himself and your grandfather uh, played here at the Richmond Football Club, but your dad in particular was an All-Australian player, but he never came to Melbourne. Was there opportunities there for him to come? There, there was. He'd played, he'd played uh, two years of senior footy on, on the coast in Tasmania um, with Wynyard, um, which is where you know, like Chris Bond and Alistair Lynch are from. And... Um, he was signed to play with South Melbourne and he came over here and, um, and uh, he stayed with the host family. He worked with a fire brigade with Freddie Goldsmith. Him and Freddie Goldsmith, who deceased recently, were good mates. Um, but you had to have three years completed in Tasmania to, to get a, a clearance and he wasn't given one. So he played here 
under the under an alias in the Federal League, I think, back then for about six months waiting a clearance and he got caught up in some sort of wrangle between the VFL and TFL and it never came through. So he had a, he had a farm to run with his dad. He went back and um, and continued to play footy there and, and played state footy in, in all Australia. And so I, I, I guess footy wasn't the, bit, the big deal it is now. I mean, he, he hear a lot of guys left leave the game at 24, 25 and... But um, you never got the chance. Did you always want to play? Was it a goal of yours to play VFL, AFL footy as a kid? Was it a realistic dream for you? Look, I'll be honest, I love footy, Richo. I mean, that's all we did. And, and I was okay at it, and, and as was my brother. And, but it just seemed, as a young kid growing up, it just seemed almost too remote. Too far away. Yeah. Back then, footy was very local. It was your local heroes were your local players and your local teams. And you get a quarter of footy a week and you'd only ever see four or five teams. You'd see Collingwood or Richmond or yeah. Hawthorne. And, but it just seemed it just seemed for other people. It just seemed too far away and removed. And, and it wasn't until my brother got drafted. In fact, he didn't get drafted. It was the day the old form fours. And he became an established senior player. And I thought, well... You know, I've spent years and years knocking around with him, playing footy, and, and if he can, there's no reason why I can. Yeah. So I started to... I was a bit of a wild young kid there for a while. I lost my way a little bit and, when I was at uni, and, but I really started to knuckle down, and, and um, the rest is history. So Michael came over and, and played for Fitzroy. So when, when he was in Melbourne, that you actually then thought, gee, I can, I can do this. So you played for Bernie, but you then went to uni... Down yeah, no, in I, I played, I played, I finished HSC in, in Burnie. First year uni was in Hobart. Yeah. And uh, I played, uh, look, I played half a year with Sandy Bay. I just played thirds and uh, and then my mates were playing in the amateurs and they were just having the best time. And yeah. So, so I live in a college on campus. Got and led astray a bit. So I got led astray and, and um, we ended up winning the premiership that year and I remember turning up to three or four games in dinner suits, you know, we were just yeah, yeah. big nights tonight. It was just great fun and I went back home at the end of that year um, for some holidays and my old team, Bernie, um, entered the statewide league yeah. and so I thought... So was that 1987? It was 1987. Yeah. So I just had enough of study for a while, I thought I'd give it a bit of a break and Colin Robinson was the captain who just came back. Warren McCarthy was the great local coach and, and so I played that year with Bernie and got drafted into the year. So when did uh, it come about? Did you know Richmond were looking to pick you up or did you just your name just got read out? No idea. No idea. I, I remember we played a final against Hobart in, in at King George V Oval, Glenorchy and I remember seeing Tony Jewell um, in the rooms and I remember seeing Michael Roach in the rooms at a game. You know, yeah. you, 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 know, you don't mistake those guys. Yeah. But I didn't think of any at the time. The night before the draft, I got rung by uh, David Parkin and Arthur Wilson, who was their legendary old footy manager, recruiting manager, who told me they were going to pick me number three and join my brother. Um, and uh, uh, Sorry, their third round pick. Yeah. And... Um, so I was sort of excited to be joining Michael and you know, moving to Melbourne and you know be exciting new start and and then uh, and then my father called me the next day and he must have heard from somewhere I got a telegram or something because <laughs> it wasn't broadcast or the carrier pigeon the carrier pigeon and said well you, you play an AFL footy um, but you play with Richmond was and that a honest, shock you well were I was really yeah. shocked mate because yeah. I, I mean that's I wasn't familiar with how it all worked I had no correspondence at all. 
Um, no indication at all they're going to pick me. Their third round pick was about three or four rounds earlier. Right. Pick 27. But obviously they would seen me play a few times during the year and um, and made that decision. So it was a bit shocked, but, but look, at the end of the day, I do remember the old man saying, um, he said, look, you know, I wasn't complaining, but he said, you're very lucky you've been given an opportunity. Yeah. Um, a lot of people, a lot don't. And, you know, Richmond, a great club, and there's every chance if you're good enough, you'll get to play in grand finals, yeah. which was sort of strangely prophetic. But, but um, you know, they only played in the grand final four or five years earlier. So it wasn't to be in that respect, but it's just, you know, it was a, it was a wonderful start. So you come to Melbourne, come to Tigerland, and one of the biggest legends the game's ever seen, Kevin Bartlett, uh, was your first coach. How'd you get along with KB? I got on really well. He uh, he came over to, to sign me up because I guess back in those days, not all the players would necessarily turn up. Um, but, but as a young kid, I mean, I'll be I'll be honest, I couldn't wait to get out of Tassie, yeah. get to the big city. and um, So he came over and, uh, and signed me up, him and Bruce Seymour, the football manager at the time. Um, a, really, a good friend I was a uni with who got killed in a car accident the, the day before, and uh, which was pretty sad. And a few of us got together and had a, a bit of a drink. And, and I remember having a pretty late night. And anyway, KB um, came in the next morning. Was, but we had a good chat, and he talked about he talked about the future very optimistically, and and said, you know, you get a few years to develop and grow. I was. I was six foot five six and about eighty five kilos. I was yeah. like a string bean. Yeah. And uh, I couldn't wait to, you know, pack the HQ wagon up and put it on the boat and over I go. Um, so, but early days I had some difficulty with injury. I'd grown up probably, you'd call it osteoitis pubis now. Yeah. yeah. But I do remember him just being super, super positive. Yeah. Always positive, KB, yeah. um, which is a real feature. Can you remember your first game? Do you remember it distinctly? Everyone. Yeah, I can, knows. mate. Yeah. I Who can. Did you play? We played. Uh, we played the Brisbane Bears uh, up at uh, Carrara. Up at Carrara. Um, I remember driving in, and there were, you know, it was like a cart. There were Ferris wheels, and there was, you know, bloody fairy floss, and it wasn't like a real sort of AFL experience. Yeah. It was twenty-seven degrees and yeah. balmy, and and um, and KB. Uh, he said, we're going to start you on the bench and um, and we'll bring you on, you know, when, you know, as required. So and back reckon, then you could sit there all day, yeah, couldn't you? So yeah. it was about five minutes into the second quarter and a massive fight broke out and Roger Merritt had opened up, I think it was Hoggy or someone, and and um, KB said, you're on. So you know, I went on and I was shitting myself. It was very... And, uh, can you remember your, I, who I can, your mate. first I, opponent then? Um, it was a guy called Brad Edwards yeah. who played a bit with Fitzroy and I'd met a few times from my brother and he's a real robotic sort of tough strong fella and um, and uh, I kicked two goals centre forward kicked two goals got the best player so yeah. hit the post with my first kick and on the run it was so but I just I'll never forget the, just the tiredness half the game I mean just the work rate and the army conditions and and that was my first game. So Brendan Gale, looking for his first goal, and he gets it. Trent Nichols, oh, he went for the big torpedo putt off the side of the boot though. Here's a chance for Gale again for his second as he fires a goal as he kicked it. Yes, he has a great goal. It didn't work out. Obviously KB had four years here at Tigerland, then a legendary 
Alan Jeans came across and coached uh, for one year. Well, what, did, what do you remember about Jeansy? Because he was a huge figure in the game. Yeah, he was. He was a gee, he was um, he had a real um, you know he's a powerful figure. He's he's oratory and the way he spoke. Uh, he was almost like an evangelist, you know. He, but he was um, he was very uh, he had a very clear philosophy on how the game should be played and, yeah. and fundamentals and tactics. And so he'd he'd reinforce those. I mean, um, a lot of training was sort of match practice, just ball moving up and down the ground. I guess. You know, executing skills under sort of game-like pressure. Yeah. Um, he could be ruthless at times, but he was good to the young. You know, he was good to good to the young guys. And um, but uh, um, he, was, he could be quite intimidating. Yeah. Um, you know, would have been great to have played more under him, but he, you know, he wasn't in great shape. He's, in fact, he was probably ruled out medically in the oh. end. Um, but uh, yeah. One memory I've got of you, Brendan, was coming down to Hobart, 1990 it was. It was a State of Origin game. No State of Origin footy now, but you played for Tasmania at North Hobart and you beat Victoria, which is a big deal for, for Tasmania to come and beat the Victorians. So that must have been massive for you. Oh, it was great. When you're young, you, you, I guess you tend to take some things for granted a little bit. I mean, I'd, I'd never, because I'd left early, I'd never played State footy. So the opportunity to go back and play State of Origin was great. I only played about eight games, um, in, and um, and you know I got the call from Robbie Shaw, who's the coach. So I was thrilled, and there were you know, guys like Scotty Clayton and Dougie Barwick, and and um, and uh, you know some of those old elder statesmen yeah. who you sort of knew as kids. My brother played too, so no, it was great, mate. And and before that game, they. They actually paraded the la- or the last and the only team to beat Tasmania, which is 1960, um, around the ground at halftime in a motorcade. And my old man played in that, and like Stuart Spencer and a bunch of old guys. So that was a proud moment, and and to have a have a good win, and it was a good night. Um, I think that the, the Victorian team might have been Victorian B team, but we, we, I think the A team played against South Australia that day. Yeah. With Lockett hey, it's still and Victoria, though. Yeah, no, we we, we, we leave that, mate. We leave <laughs> that. But it was great. And just that wonderful, you know, North Hobart Oval. It's such a such a um, important part of Tassie footy history and just the atmosphere was just wonderful. Shocking ground to play centre-half forward on. Smallest ground in Australia. Awful. I mean, I, uh, I remember I sort of <laughs> changed the ruck with Jimmy Manson, played forward pocket ruck and... Uh, all I wanted to do was keep out of Jimmy's way that day because, goodness me, he was uh, ferocious, madman. He was. Uh, John Northey was the next coach of the Tigers that you had. And, you know, in his first year, the Tigers only won four games, but he, he really turned the list over and he got success pretty quickly. He won 12 games in 1994, but it all sort of clicked in 1995, didn't it, when the team made a prelim final. What, what was it about Swooper in those years that got the guys up and going? I just think we had we had some some guys like Knights and Campbell and Free and you know Scotty Turner who were sort of coming into that you know four you know three or four or five year sort of period. Yeah. I guess I'd throw myself in that group as well, just maturing and becoming more confident. Um, I think you know I think we recruited and traded pretty smartly around that time. Obviously, you know, like yourself as well, father son. Um, but I think most importantly, Swoop. 
he got the boys to play for each other. You know, I think that's um, I can't recall him appraising performance in terms of individuals. It was always about the group, and I can't remember him singling people out for criticism. I can't remember him singling them out for praise. It was just um, it was always about the team, and he, and he he didn't mind letting the boys have a bit of fun. You know, and I think that was all. You know, some of those camps. You'd work hard, but you'd have a lot of fun. And well, he'd encourage you to actually absolutely. go out and have a beer and get to know each other. Um, you can't yeah. take that for granted, I don't reckon. You can't. Yeah. You can't. It's a really hard environment, you know, AFL footy, and, and you know, you've got to take your opportunities to have fun, and, and he didn't miss those opportunities swoop. And, and I think we sort of played like that. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we, um, we played, we're a really even, competitive, um, hard team I reckon and uh, you know it was a it was a shame to see him go to be honest yeah what what did happen there I mean you, you make a prelim final and the coach leaves was it an understanding but misunderstanding between him and the club or or did Swooper actually want to leave or oh, look, I never really know no, what happened I think my understanding is you know, this is not a portioning blame anyone it's just it's in the past but I think my understanding was in two th- in 96 he had a it was a final year of his contract he was seeking um, an extension off the back of the work he'd done the previous years. And I think the view was that they'd just wait to the end of the year and see how things unfolded. And um, in the meantime, he, he had an offer from Brisbane Lions to coach them because Robert Walls had left and uh, with with tenure and security and he took it. So And ironically, Walsey then came to Richmond. Yeah, which is uh, incredible. I mean, you wouldn't ever, you wouldn't, you wouldn't dream it. Um, so yeah, would it would have, you know, would, would have been nice to see what unfolded with that group under under John because to change a coach is a big change in your whole program. Well, totally different types yeah. of philosophies that they yeah. have. Yeah. Um, and yeah, Walsh, yeah, Look, I I, um, I had a huge amount of respect for Walsy, and and um, and uh, he was really good for me and the boys, and and I think the boys all respected him, but. Uh, and I guess he saw a group that was, you know, in the top four sort of challenging for a grand final premiership and and um, felt, well, we're just a bit of fine-tuning here and a bit more sophistication and... Mm. and um, But it probably didn't really work. And I think Wolsey, by his own admission, I think I've heard him say he probably admits he didn't have the hunger, you know. Yeah. I mean, he'd retired from Brisbane for a reason. He was going to go and work in the media, wasn't well, he? Well, either that or he's heading off for a European summer and the Greek... And um, and all of a sudden, the offer came from Richmond, which I guess would have been flattering at the time. He considered it and took it on. But I just think you've got to... You know, I think he said he didn't really have the hunger and the drive and yeah. and it didn't work out. Benny, you played probably the first half of your career as a centre-half forward. When did the change come? When did, when did the change come that you went into the ruck? Um, look, I reckon... I reckon it come about the you know the mid ninety six ninety seven. I reckon there are a couple of factors. Um, I reckon you know, I was pretty much a mark kick player um, as a centre forward. I mean, I would have got ninety percent of my goals from marking the ball. Yeah. Um, and um, and when opposition teams started, because we had a bit of height back then, we had you know obviously yourself and various stages, Stewie Edwards and a few other guys. They used to. In fact, I, I'm I'm pretty sure Rocket E introduced a flood against us at Waverley, yeah. and so with flooded back lines, um, it was harder for me to be effective. I didn't have the athleticism to get up in the ground and turn around and, and 
creative and find goals in different ways. So it become harder and more effective to be more effective. And often I'd relieve Greg Deere in the ruck and go in and use my athleticism to be in all aspects of it, defensively, push forward, yeah. take marks. And then, and then when Charles, got in a bit of trouble with the anti-doping code, it pretty much required me to play in the ruck almost full time. Yeah. Um, and once again, I think I responded to that freedom, that ability to get all around the ground and 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 be involved in all phases of the play. And and you know, even though I was probably undersized, I could use you know leap and run, but. After a while, that it's like a war of attrition. They just start to chip away at you, and all of a sudden you tend to lose that little bit of leap. And but um, but look, look, disappointing for Charlesy, but probably you know, probably I reckon arguably extended my career maybe three, four years. I was probably lucky. You know, it's you played really, really good footy in the ruck. You used to like to get back behind the ball and help the uh, back line out, taking marks down there. Yeah, I mean, I was always could read the ball and flight pretty well. I, you know, it was a reasonable catch. So um, back in those days, deep in games, you know, guys didn't tend to lower the eyes much. They blast away. It was fairly easy, predictable. And yeah. and um, early doors, the, the opposing ruckman wouldn't come with you. Towards the end, they did a bit, but um, um, so it worked well for a while. Then sometimes opponents would use their ruckman to work through you, but. Yeah. But no, it's um, it's uh, is able to catch a few from time to time and help out. Um, we had a pretty good defence back. You know, I was like Scotty Turner and Gasper and the yeah. Kellaways. And yeah. Did uh, did you really enjoy it when Michael came to Richmond? Your brother crossed over in a trade for Jeff Hogg. You must have loved having Michael here at the club. Yeah, I did, mate. I did, and it was one of those things that you probably look back and take for granted. You know, but I thought, God, what a wonderful opportunity that was, and for family, for mum. You know, um, to come watch us both, and I think we lived together for a few years, played footy together. Um, so it was great. Yeah, I mean, he retired in nine. I reckon he retired probably a year earlier than. Yeah. I think he just wanted to go surfing, but but um, no, it was wonderful, mate. And yeah, you know, really thankful for the club for organising that. Not it was yeah. in fact it was a great. Uh, you know, Brod- good Broderick, for Richmond. Broderick yeah. was a you know terrific player. Matty Dundas gave us great service and, and Michael played nearly 100 games. Benny, your last uh, year at Richmond under Danny Frawley, we played in a prelim final uh, up in Brisbane. We know what they went on to achieve, but it must have been a satisfying year, your last year to, to play finals footy and, and to beat Carlton at the MCG must have been a career highlight yeah. in the semi-final. It was. I mean, I only played six finals, but at a couple of, you know, great memorable wins against great old foes and... Um, we're a bit stiffy at Brisbane. You yeah, know. look, I, mate, I, I was just, I was convinced it was our destiny. I was yeah. really, a really, you know, in 95 when we played Geelong, that prelim, they just had our number, Geelong, yeah, and I thought right. that was going to be tough. And But I just thought we'd beaten Brisbane in a bruising game over here, the MCG early in the year. And that prelim final, we gave them a six goal, sorry, that we played them, and the return home and away game at Brisbane gave him a six goal start, hit the front the last quarter. So I just thought we could just get off to a good start and, and um, geez, they were just flying, weren't yeah, they? Just yeah. the Voss and Lappin and Ackermanis and, and um, it Makes wasn't to be. Yeah. But mate, look, at the end of the day, to, it was my first game against Brisbane, last game against Brisbane, to, to leave the club, you know, when I 
started the club, the rattling cans. When I left the club, we'd, you know, f finished in the top four and the club was in reasonable shape. And, and for the very, very small role I had in that, I felt I could look back and say, well, you know, feel a, a bit of pride and, yeah. and ready to sort of get on with the next stage of my life. What about the uh, that final I talked about at the MCG against Carlton? It was a weird week because yeah. on the oh, on the Tuesday night was the September 11 attack, yeah. and you I remember being at the club yeah. training, and it just felt like you shouldn't even be playing footy, didn't it? It was a crazy week. It was, um, yeah, it's like um, like well, you know, it was going to be World War Three or something. Yeah. You didn't know yeah. what was going to unfold, and, um, and I guess we're probably lucky we had footy to concentrate on. But um, I remember it, even. The day of the game, I'm just feeling a bit anxious about the crowd and being yeah. in crowds. There was a real paranoia in the air, yeah. wasn't there? Yeah, I remember being a massive. I remember being a massive build-up because we were disappointed the week before. I remember Danny was just uh, just had the hand on the whip all week, wasn't he? And he just yeah. and it was just a really physical, low-scoring yeah. encounter. I remember that. Yeah. I remember some of just the hits in around stoppages and stuff. And I remember Zilla on Canberra Ali and. And it was tough. So to cut, it was. I always felt like we're, we're going to win the game. Yeah, it did. But it, we but always I, had. The I look back and I saw the score the other day, but I sort of didn't realise it was that close. Brendan Favola, goalless today. Fletcher tries to. Flee. Did you know you were playing your last game in Brisbane? Did you want to play no, the next? No, I remember you, you. You actually, I think you wanted to play the next year. But yeah, what actually? What actually? I mean, I. What actually agreed to terms just to simply continue the same contract, um, as the previous year, as far as the current year. So it was a ten-minute discussion, really. Yeah. And um, and the view was uh, the view was you know Otto was. Otto was playing really well. Um, and uh, Brad Ottens, yeah, yeah. Um, and you know they he was more effective probably up forward than rather than bludgeon in the ruck. So they said you can go and get bludgeon in the ruck, and, and we work well together. And so you know that was my role. And uh, but after probably a week or two after the season, the club sort of had to revisit that because they had to fight hard to keep a couple of players. They had salary yeah. cap issues, and they said look, we want to be, we'd love you to play, but we. We'll just have this is all we can offer, and yeah. at that stage in my life, mate, I was ready to get on with my next yeah. career. And I thought, yeah. thinking about the body and yeah. my neck at the time was <laughs> my neck was troubling me. You did have a bad neck. I, I remember you opening neck. the door yeah. one day at your house with a neck brace on, you, which was strange. You reckon I was putting it on, weren't you? We did. But, uh, <laughs> you actually used to wear a neck brace at home. Hey, Benny, you were you talked about your next career? Out of all the players I played with, you were always had an eye to that. You studied throughout your whole career when other blokes were sitting at home playing PlayStation. So you always were pretty switched on to what you were going to do after footy? Yeah, it was sort of when I started, there was no alternative, Richard. It was sort of like footy was sort of a means to an end. You know, when I, when I started, guys were working and were trades. And so, um, so yeah, like I, I studied um, and, you know, at uni at Taz, law school, first year. So, so um yeah, to finish that off. I mean, I was in a position to really go and work because by that stage I was a full-time footballer. But yeah. but at least, in fact, it wasn't a bad thing to know as soon as the season's over, as soon as the curtains are closed, 
I don't have time to think. I just sort of get on with it. So I went from sort of that AFL lifestyle into a, like a, you know, th- four by four metre office yeah. at a commercial law, th- law firm, which is a huge change. Was it hard to adapt to yeah, going to work really nine hard. to five in an office? And, yeah, it was yeah. hard. Yeah. But in the day, we play football. You know, part of the reason we play football is the adrenaline and yeah. and 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 the thrill and and all those things, and they just go. Yeah. And um, and uh, and they, you feel there is a bit of a void in your life, but you know, I reckon if I was sitting around doing nothing, I could imagine how it could be a bit challenging yeah. for people. But yeah. but that wasn't the case, and I. My, my future was preordained, I guess. Yeah. You didn't last long in, uh, at the law firm. Did no. you miss footy? Is that why you went back to the AFL? Oh, not so much place, miss so footy. Sure. I just found the life of, of commercial law unfulfilling, mate. That's all I thought. Most people put in a few years and then they, then they make up the mind to, to leave or, or try and become a partner or go into investment banking. Or, um, and uh, for me, I thought about going to the bar, becoming a barrister yeah. for a little while, which is just you just working for yourself a bit more rather than the whole big firm mentality. Yeah. yeah. And then um, the Players Association approached me and said, would I, would I like to come back and, you know, put my hat in the hands. Um, when I worked in the law firm, mate, I worked in an area which almost required me to work overseas. Yeah. Which would have been great. But I formed the view that I didn't like the law anyway. Yeah. Um, so I ended up going to back work at the Players Association and, and I would never expect it to be back at Richmond, you know, years later or something. Yeah. Yeah. Just before we get on to Richmond, so what the Players Association, the footy probably really exploded through that yeah. time commercially and everything. What what was your you know proudest achievement at the Players Association? Uh, I think I think um, I think I think uh, CBAs are always really hard work, mate. It's a long drawn out series of negotiations, particularly around money, as we're seeing currently. So I think I did apply a payments deal um, back then, which is a strong outcome. I mean, but basically as the game grows, there's more at stake. Um, and so that was, that was a strong outcome. I mean, you know, I'm really proud of the work we did in shaping the illicit drug policy. Um, we thought as a, you know, the, the growing and probably irresponsible illicit drug use was a real concern and it was only a matter of time before someone dies. And uh, so we put in place a, a, a medical sort of backed illicit drug policy, which you know I was quite proud of. You know the AFL drove it, we supported it. I mean, we had to go to the Supreme Court twice in three years to almost defend that mm. against media organisations who were seeking to. We won a, a, a test case in the High Court, a tax test case, making player agent fees tax deductible, which yeah. is a huge win for our players. Yeah. We set up a big fund that look after past player health and welfare and. And probably set in place the frame framework, which well certainly certainly got the AFL to agree to, to a framework, which led to the establishment of free agency. Which yeah. now I've come to the club land, I've got a, don't sl- want it anymore. I've got a slightly different view, <laughs> mate. But I work for a different master. Yeah. So, but it was a really tumultuous time as the game was growing, and yeah. and um, you know, great learning experience. Sunday, join us for Game Day. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to our 10th season of Game Day. Hosted by Hamish McLaughlin, every Sunday at 10am on the channels of 7. She caught up exclusively with Rui this morning. They're pretty confident as well that structurally it's okay. Christian Petrarca's in love with Christian Petrarca. (laughs) It's where all of footy's big names come to play. 
So you, you come back to the Richmond Footy Club as CEO and what is it now, seven, seven, seven years? Seven years, yeah. It's just it's, gone like that. The, the, the club's obviously very successful now financially and you've uh, been here through that time and seen the club become really stable. Is that something you're really proud of? Oh, yeah. I mean, I am, mate. I mean, I think at the end of the day you can't have a good footy team without a good, strong club, yeah. a good, strong organisation, a good business model. We've got a really good team here, really good team of talented, committed people. Um, and, mo- and they're still here, yeah. chipping away, and I'm really proud of that. Um, What's uh, the biggest challenge as a club CEO these days? Um, I think the biggest challenge is always money. You know, it's such a competitive environment. Um, and it largely depends on still on your on-field performance, which can fluctuate. And so... That can be volatile. I think that's. I think. I think this day and age, managing the external environment. Yeah. Um, just the amount of stuff that is said and written about individuals and the team and performances, um, and some it's just bonkers. And some, but it, but it's the external environment it can influence the sentiment of your of your main. So just, and it can impact internally as well. So just managing that external environment and and keeping everyone on track is a real yeah. challenge. Um, um, and I just think still, mate, just talent and getting yeah. good people in and good players and was know, it, facilities are going to be, you know, we need to continue to ensure we've got the best possible environment for our players and coaches yeah. and staff to, to thrive and that's always, that's an ongoing process. Yeah. Do you get uh, frustrated at the level of scrutiny that, that comes on the Richmond Footy Club? Because it, it does appear that there's more... Oh, no, there's something uniquely Richmond about some of the coverage of the yeah. media. And, look, I understand, I get it. And, yeah. and it, it's it, and it's the fact that, that you know, we're a club that's defined success in terms of premierships. Yeah. You know, that's success is about premierships at Richmond. And there's been great historical success. And, and our fans still have that expectation and they should always have that expectation. But it's been nearly 40 years. Yeah. And so, you know, the, the, the disappointment that comes with a loss turns into, like, anger and yeah. vitriol and, 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 and obviously the media sort of feeds off that as it, well. So Is it hard to not become reactive to that sometimes? It's really You've hard. You've got to be strong. It's yeah. really hard. Yeah. It is really, uh, it is really, really hard. Yeah. It, it is, um, and it takes, you know, you've got, to have, you've got to have great self-belief and you've got to have great people around you and... And all working together, you know, yeah. just pulling. But it, but it, it is really hard. So you had a thorough review at the end of uh, 2016. You know, there's a lot of scrutiny on the club at that time. It was a, a long process, but I reckon the outcomes of that this year, you you can see it, and you must be pretty proud so yeah, far. Yeah, look, look, at the end of the day, footy clubs, as you'd appreciate it, Richard, that they're just reviewing just about every aspect of performance every day, and. Um, but sometimes it's useful to sort of do that at arm's length from a high, from a helicopter view. Yeah. And so, you know, I've often said it wasn't a review of the football department. It was a review for the football department. And a review, and not just, as a review of how other aspects of the organisation impact our auto performance. Yeah. So, you know, by the time we sort of got through that, you know, we, I think it was probably fair to say uh, that a lot of our views were aligned on what needed to be done. Um, and um, but you know those, those findings 
you know, we're all shared and, and, and processed and understood and we've set about making some changes and, and not just in personnel, um, but just in emphasis yeah. um, and priority, priorities in the program. And, and, you know, I think, you know, but for, but for a couple of kicks, we could be sitting at good yeah. top. So, you know, early days, yeah, long. Yeah. I mean, this is a long, brutal marathon, but I think we're encouraged by the progress. Yeah the team so far. Uh, you mentioned free agency and I guess the biggest sort of free agent at the moment is, or unrestricted free agent, is Dustin Martin. Are you confident he'll be at Richmond next year? Oh, look, I am, mate. I am. And as, as uh, you know, I mean, there's obviously, there's a hysteria surrounding Dusty. He's a, he's a guy that attracts enormous... Should have shares in the Herald Sun yeah, at the moment. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> he's in there. I know our major sponsors are happy, that's for <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, they would. Uh, um, so... Uh, so there's a lot of, there's huge curiosity in Dustin, the person, the footballer, and so yeah. it goes to the territory. The most important thing is it doesn't affect the kid. He just pretty much stays in the moment. Yeah. And it doesn't impact us because we understand this is how the market works these days and he's got every right to go and see where he sits. Yeah. Um, and plus, we reckon we've got a really strong, compelling offer for him. And that's not just money, that's everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, we... You know, we, we love Dustin. We, he's really important to us, not just for his football, but as a person and as a leader too. Yeah. Um, he's really grown and um, and he should take credit for that. And we look forward to him continuing with us into the future. Well, I think that a lot of Richmond fans hope that uh, that's the case. A lot of number fours out there. Before we move on, we'll do a few quick hands uh, just to finish off, Benny. Thanks for your time. But you... Uh, you're part of a select group that has played on the MCG fo football, obviously, but uh, you've joined this list. The Rolling Stones, Michael Jackson <laughs> and Madonna have yeah. all played the MCG, including your band, Troll by Video. That's you right, you played on the MCG. I played on the MCG. I played on the MCG. <laughs> I've sung on the MCG. I've sung on the MCG. I sang a Paul Kelly song. We had a yeah. bracket of six songs. Yeah. And it was the world... It was the opening ceremony of the World Foreign Police game. And evidently there were about 60,000. Um, incredible. Uh, yeah, we're just a band of footy players. I think Channel 9 put us together and gave us the lamest name you've ever heard. Trial by video. Trial by video. <laughs> we had a two-week tour in, of Perth, which was apocalyptic. We had a six-week residency at the tunnel. That's right, Sunday So those night. older than 40 or 35 would know what yeah. that meant. And... Um, Oh, that was just one of those silly things. It was good fun. Who was in it? Mark Sinotti, James Manson. So, in fact, Alan Jakovic started. Yeah. And he, for a bloke who'd never trained in his life, he had a great soulful, bassy set of voice. Jimmy yeah. Manson could seriously play guitar. Paul Bullis drums. Tony Woods was a classically Piano. trained pianist. Yeah. Um, and then, then Jacko skated and Mark Zanotti came in. And um, he, thought he, was, uh, he thought he was Eddie Vedder, I think. He used to belt him out, Zanners. But anyway... Very funny. A few quick questions to end on, Benny. Who's the best player you played with at Richmond? Oh, I can't answer that, mate. You can't? No, I can't answer that. I can't Why not? Because, um, because I reckon I reckon the bravest player I played was Duncan Killaway. Absolutely. The most creative player was Matty Knights. Yeah. The most consistent player was Wayne Campbell. And I reckon the, the player won us the most games was yours truly, Richard. Oh, thanks, you. Benny. Thank not, you. Not me, by the way. You. You. Uh, who's the best player you played against? Hardest opponent? Oh, I reckon. I reckon Paul Roos. Yeah. I got him early in my career when he's probably his prime, and I was sent half forward. He was sent half back, but you just spend your time trying to chase yeah. him, minimise his impact. 
He'd read the play, could mark, use the ball, run. He was a brilliant player, Ruzi. Uh, what's the best advice you've ever been given? You remember anything? Um, um, Yabby Jeans, mate. Used to say to me all the time. He said, he said, better to please a fool than tease one. Don't <laughs> tease me, just please me. Do what I say. <laughs> Brilliant. Mm. Uh, the last time you cried, probably after that GWS game, a few weeks ago. No, no. It's funny. Footy takes you to some strange places. I reckon I might have shed a tear after we lost that elimination final to North Melbourne. Yeah. I couldn't. Uh, that was hard. It's to disappointing. Take. Yeah, it was a disappointing. They're all hard, I guess, but... Yeah. Where do you see yourself in 20 years' time? Are you going to get into politics? There's oh, rumours that you want to get into no, politics. No, mate, no, no. There's enough politics and footy. Don't worry about that. No, um, well, hopefully retired somewhere. Look, I made, look, I love Tassie. Yeah. I love Tassie. I mean, I've lived here longer than I... I grew up, I left Tassie as an 18-year-old, but it's still home. Yeah. And you see yourself back there? Yeah, I worry about the cold weather on the bones, but yeah. it just... If I was still surfing, I'd be pretty happy. Living by the coast there somewhere, yeah. down Tasman Peninsula. Who knows? Down at Boat Harbour. <laughs> Boat Harbour. Nice little town. Uh, if you could change one thing about footy, what would it be? Um, gee, mate. Uh, the deliberate rush behind rule? No. It's in pretty good shape. Yeah, I think it's really. in great shape, yeah. mate. I don't think... I just think the game evolves and... And, you know, the emphasis on ball movement and scoring, um, it's just a remarkable game, mate. I mean, it's a it's really, really hard game to manage and, yeah. and to lead at a club. It really, it's consuming. But sometimes you just pinch yourself and say what a privilege it is. It's just yeah. a wonderful game. And the way our community just, you know, just are passionate about it. And it's just, yeah, I wouldn't change a thing, to be honest. Beautiful. Thanks for joining us, Benny. My pleasure, big fella. We're talking footy